At Guitar by Masters, we understand the importance of correct practice. That's why we use our patented interactive platform, PracticePal, to give you a unique opportunity to improve your guitar playing. Are you starting to learn the guitar, trying to improve your skills or interested in learning new pieces? Guitar by Masters lets you do all that with some of the greatest guitarists, teachers and composers of our time. Access an expanding library of tutorials for different guitar styles and levels, which come with interactive scores, detailed views of both hands, tips and comments from teachers available in multiple languages, virtual call and response settings and other useful features to make your practice sessions more efficient and enjoyable. Learning from the masters has never been easier. Start your free trial today at guitarbymasters.com. Welcome to the Guitar by Masters podcast. I'm your host, Carmen Steindler, and in this podcast, we will explore numerous guitar topics, as well as have engaging conversations with some of the world's most distinguished classical guitarists. In this solo episode, I wanted to discuss the topic of classical music in the digital era, and most of all, pros and cons of the digital landscape for classical musicians in particular. Over the last few decades, we have witnessed a dramatic transformation in the way people listen to and engage with classical music. Technology has made classical music more accessible than ever before. With the advent of streaming services, anyone with an internet connection can listen to a vast catalog of classical music from anywhere in the world. This has democratized access to classical music and opened up the genre to new audiences. On the other hand, CD sales in the US have dropped 90% since 2000. Another way technology has impacted classical music in a groundbreaking way is through social media. Social media platforms have given classical musicians a way to connect with fans and promote their music. But technology has not just impacted the way we listen to and engage with classical music, it has also changed the way that classical music is composed and performed. Composers today have access to a vast array of digital tools that make it easier to experiment with new sounds and textures. Digital landscape has also made it possible for classical musicians to perform remotely and collaborate with artists from all over the world. Virtual ensemble performances have become increasingly popular during the pandemic, and they have allowed musicians to continue making music together despite being physically separated. Of course, With all of these changes, there also come challenges. And today I wanted to address three questions that derive from these challenges. First one would be, does it still make sense to print physical CDs? Honestly, it depends. The decision to print physical CDs of classical music depends on various factors, such as the audience, marketing strategy, and goals of the musician. While digital platforms are the primary way of consuming music, physical CDs do offer some benefits. For instance, classical music fans may prefer the higher audio quality of CDs, and the experience of holding a physical copy of an album, especially if it's signed by the artist. Furthermore, physical CDs can be sold at concerts, festivals, and other live events, providing an additional revenue stream for musicians and a promotional tool to attract new fans. 
However, printing physical CDs can be costly and require significant investment upfront, which may not be feasible for some independent musicians or small record labels. Additionally, physical products require storage and shipping logistics that can be challenging to manage. Thus, whether or not to print physical CDs depends on the specific circumstances of the musician and their audience. The second question would be, hasn't technology provided classical musicians many opportunities for revenue that were previously unavailable? The short answer would be definitely, 100%. A very important revenue can be found in online teaching of students all over the world. With the availability of high-quality video conferencing tools, this has become really easy. Let's also not forget about interactive learning platforms, such as Guitar by Masters, where you can learn from hundreds of some of the most distinguished guitarists in the world in multiple languages from the comfort of your own home. Additionally, social media and other digital platforms have created new opportunities for musicians to monetize their brand and reach a wider audience. Classical musicians can build a following on platforms such as YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, which can lead to sponsorships, endorsements, and collaborations with other musicians and brands. Creating online content, however, requires a great deal of effort, and it can be disheartening when your hard work does not elicit much feedback from the general public. This might not be at all connected to the quality of the content you produce, but it is rather due to the content-saturated online world, as well as algorithms, that mostly favor bigger creators that have already proven to be able to earn enough advertising money for the platforms. In general, I feel this is not considered enough. Not only is social media a highlight reel, I feel we've all more or less accepted this fact at this point, but social media platforms are there to generate advertising money. They're not there to help you or your career. There's no profit for them in doing that. It's quite remarkable to see how older social media platforms such as Facebook consistently push sponsored content and only minimally support organic reach, when on the other hand, newer social media platforms like TikTok actually do have algorithms in place that favor organic reach. Unfortunately, TikTok has not, yet at least, proven to be an optimal tool for sharing classical music just because of the nature of the content on the app. So in my opinion, the best bet at the moment for classical musicians despite having many flaws, are still YouTube and Instagram. It's not that difficult to be able to earn YouTube ad revenue from your videos, of course, if you consistently upload quality content. The condition to join the YouTube Partner Program is 1,000 subscribers with 4,000 valid public watch hours within the last 12 months. This sounds a lot, because it does mean that your content has to be watched for almost 11 hours every single day for the last 365 days, but if you have enough content on your channel, these hours can quickly accumulate. Speaking of algorithms, streaming platforms, as well as YouTube and all social media, use algorithms to recommend music to users, rather than users discovering new music through personal taste or recommendations from friends or family. While this can provide a personalized way to discover new music, it can also limit exposure to new genres and artists and raise concerns about corporate influence and shaping the music industry. Not to forget, creating consistent content for social media is very time and energy consuming. 
it could definitely be described as an extra job to have to curate your online presence and be consistent in doing so. If you enjoy this process or can hire someone to do it for you, don't hesitate to get into it. If not, this is probably not the best use of your resources. Another important thing to consider is that in today's world of constant distractions and information overload, people's attention span is getting shorter. This makes it harder for artists to capture and maintain their audience's attention. Moreover, the problem is compounded by the fact that many artists spend more time consuming other people's content instead of creating their own. This not only hinders their ability to develop their own creative voice, but also limits their potential for success. To combat this, artists must find ways to stay focused, limit distractions, and prioritize their own creative output over consuming the work of others. Social media has the ability to create a perceived relationship between content creators and their audience. Musicians, in particular, can offer a personal view on various aspects of their lives, such as practice sessions, meals, <laughs> travel vlogs, and even relationship updates. By providing regular updates of a personal nature, musicians can establish a connection with their audience, which can form a strong foundation for future engagement. This relationship with the audience can be extremely powerful in the digital world, as a loyal audience is a valuable resource for any musician. Some of the additional revenue streams that come with a big audience are Patreon, crowdfunding, or even Twitch. For all of these sources of revenue, you of course need a big and engaged online audience. Nowadays, there's many companies with large followings that offer exposure to young aspiring musicians and teachers in return for content, which is either performances or tutorials. In this oversaturated market where it's difficult to get career momentum, offering your services for free for exposure can be a tempting proposition, especially for very young musicians. This, however, creates a race to the bottom and devalues all our hard work and decades of education and knowledge we acquired. As much as you wouldn't ask a lawyer to represent you in court for free because they are really passionate about law, it should not be expected from professional musicians to work for free out of the love for music. This is also a tricky area to have legally regulated, but I really encourage all my classical music colleagues to consider the damage they might be doing to the whole classical music community by deciding to take on unpaid or badly paid projects. On the classical guitar scene, Guitar by Masters is setting an example of a platform that pays their artists fairly for the production of all the content, as well as pays out yearly revenue on their existing content and bonuses. I think this is how all online platforms should operate. And even though this is not the case yet, we as musicians are the ones who can change that by valuing our work, knowledge, and time. The last question would be, can live streams and pre-recorded concerts replace live classical concerts? My answer to that would be almost, but not quite. One of the first responses by concert presenters after the pandemic started was to live stream their concerts instead of canceling them. This had a lot of advantages for everyone involved. The concert audience was suddenly exponentially bigger, anyone with an internet connection could access concerts from all over the world. 
By cutting expenses connected to having to fly the artists in and take care of their accommodation, promoters were actually able to provide higher artist fees. It seems nowadays that many presenters are continuing with this hybrid model, offering live concerts as well as live-streamed and pre-recorded ones. The Berlin Philharmonic is a wonderful example of this, and I regularly go to live concerts there, as well as use their digital concert hall, which is a great example of a subscription-based online platform that offers access to live and recorded classical music concerts performed by the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra. It even provides a vast archive of past performances. So, for example, if I want to listen to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, I am able to find high-quality recordings of this piece under four different conductors and the recordings spanning from 1968 to 2019. The highest possible audio and video quality almost makes you feel you are right there, in one of the most famous concert halls in the world. Almost. (laughs) But we need to take the nature of classical music itself into account. Classical music performance demands years of study and practice, precision motor skills, and artistry that only comes with experience on stage. The brain is fully utilized in musical performance, and the combined skills and musical intuition and ensemble performances are breathtaking. Classical music performance is a pure dynamic of person and instrument, unmediated by technology. Going to a classical music concert is a spectacle that allows for the exchange of energy between performers and audience, and it's a social activity that brings people together. Electronically mediated classical music damages delicate acoustic qualities and richness of sound, while online performances lose much of what truly sets classical music apart. One can argue that driving classical music performance into digital spaces with a resulting reduction in live performances sacrifices quality, purity, and excellence on the altar of convenience. I can attest to that. In January this year, I visited a concert in the Berlin Philharmonic where Marta Argerich was playing Schumann's Piano Concerto and Daniel Barenboim was conducting. The sensation of attending this concert in person is beyond words, and the mere recollection of the electrifying ambience it exuded evokes a deep emotional response within me. I will cherish this experience for the rest of my life. And despite there being a recording of this exact concert in the digital concert hall, it is truly not the same. In conclusion, technology has had a profound impact on classical music in the digital era. The possibilities just seem to be endless. However, it is important to remember that with these changes come new challenges that need to be acknowledged and addressed. I hope you enjoyed my second solo podcast episode. Thank you for taking your time and joining me today. Our next episode will be released very soon. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss it. I hope you have a lovely week and talk to you soon.